0: Hello and welcome to Main Education Matters with Matt and Matt. This is Matt. This is Matt too. And we are in a three-part series that we're about to begin today. Beginning today. I'm excited. We are. I know. I'm thrilled. What is this going to be on? Well, there, there, there's, a, there's a little.
1: Since we're all talking about main education matters and statute and law, and you can't get any bigger in education than the uh, Every Student Succeeds Act.
0: It's giant. It is enormous.
1: It's enormous. It's, it's, it's universal. It's it's no, it's not. it's no, only, it's, it's it's only really for not. it's only for our our borders. Pretty much is all that it pretty counters. much. But but anyway, uh, it is it is it is the largest education bill that has pretty much ever been done.
0: But it's not new by any means. Okay, so so if it's not new, because I'm reading in the paper that this is this is kind of new. Maine, in particular, has a new version of this one. They're looking to get approved. So when you're saying it's not new, why isn't it new? Well, there's a history there. I love history. There's a me too.
1: Uh, former social studies teacher. I've, I've always, i a love for history in there. So it actually started out in 1965, okay, as as a basically as a civil rights bill um, by President Lyndon Johnson. Um, LBJ. Was, there you go. Say, say it loud. Say it proud. It was uh, uh, originally known as the Elementary and Secondary Education Act, and it stayed as that name or ESEA uh, stayed as that title for many years, forty plus years. Um, and what, it's, what it was really intended to do was to provide a full educational opportunity for any kid, all kids, throughout the country. Okay. Um, the act funded public elementary and secondary ed. Um, it emphasized equal opportunity and access to high standards and accountability measures. Mm-hmm. So you know, what, what it's basically saying is n- no child should uh, be forced to go to schools that are underfunded. You know be, because of their race because of their socioeconomic status because of the location a, a kid doesn't have the say in where they grow up and so or, or their standing or where or what their with their parents how their parents live or their family lives or whatever it is what what, what language they speak so they, so they should be granted an opportunity to have an education as
0: well makes sense. And a high quality education totally makes sense so we're trying which we, we obviously think that education is important as a federal government so we want the opportunity uh, for access to be there especially with uh, the uh, the non-rich areas which obviously yes. had the better schools then and this kind of made it equitable so there was money going in being pumped into some of these schools that did not have that access or did not have access to to um funding their schools as much as possible how i
1: understand it yeah exactly that it was it was part of um Lyndon Johnson's overall uh, agenda of war on poverty sure. to, try to, to try to try to try uh, to fix that in certain ways, and uh, the the you know there have been a lot of a lot of studies that have happened over the course of the years, including a recent one in in Maine uh, from the Maine Education uh, Public Research Institute or MEPRI uh, in 2014 they did a study on the relationship between school poverty and student achievement in Maine okay. because they want to look at well is there is there a relationship here and a stats guy, you know stats. You like stats, statistics. I do. Um, they did a lot of correlational studies mm-hmm. and found significant, or found found consistent, I should say, negative correlations, negative relationships between poverty and achievement. Meaning, and correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, meaning that if, well, let me just read it from the from the from the, the sounds good from the document itself. Quote. The goal of this study was to explore the relationships between school-level poverty found in main schools and student academic performance. The evidence clearly shows that there is a relationship. As the percent of poverty increases in a school, student performance declines. The level of poverty in a school is the single best predictor of student performance, but other factors also play a role in influencing student achievement, and they go on to talk about things like type of school. Is it a K-5 school, a 6-8 school, a K-8 school, a 9-12 school? Uh, the years of teaching experience of the teachers. Um, that's a, there's a fascinating little look into that one and it is, it's is kind of counterintuitive what you might be thinking. I'd mm-hmm. suggest to go read it. Um, and also the educational levels of the teachers. How many okay. have bachelor's degrees versus master's degrees versus doctorates? Okay. Um, and so there's this, there's this clear relationship and it goes back from 1965. There was a reason for doing this then and there's a reason for this, this law now because there's still wide gaps in, in poverty. There was a major skills sure. gap back then. There's a major skills gap right now, and so this is a way. Uh, the reason why this, this 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 law is so important is because it does provide that equal opportunity and funding for districts who need that additional support.
0: Okay. So as we move forward through the years, um, first of all, before we get moving, do you think this has helped our school systems? Uh, obviously, we weren't around in like the 40s and 50s. Uh, at least I wasn't, Matt. So no comment. So. Clearly, I think this has helped. Okay. There's a lot more money into our schools. I don't know exactly about the, the skills gap that you mentioned, whether it's closed or not since the 60s. I'm going to assume that it has. But as you said, it is still wide enough that we have to have an act like this in order to, to help.
1: I, I think that the bigger, the, the whether it's helped or not, we can, we can throw a conjecture in there that we want to. Sure. But I think what's really important to re- remember is, even back in the 60s, they were saying, we're studying this and we're seeing that there's a direct relationship between poverty and low achievement. Mm-hmm. Poverty and achievement, I should say. The higher the income, the higher the achievement. The SAT has shown us that. Mm-hmm. There's there's statistical studies that have shown us that for, for years, that if, if you're in a more uh, wealthier household, you'll do better on the SAT. Mm-hmm. Not ga- not guaranteed, but statistically speaking. Sure. Um, on the norm. So I think the most important thing to think of is that when, even back to 2014, when this study was done in Maine, it's saying the same thing.
0: Hmm. Sixty years later, fifty years later, so it's we haven't exactly solved the poverty crisis.
1: Well, no, I, I think it more, brings more brings more emphasis to the point that poverty is going to exist.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. I don't know how we can fix the issue of poverty, and that's not what this is trying to do. I think right. this, what this is trying to do is to say we understand poverty exists. We understand that poverty can and, and, and has a has a negative. Uh, correlation relationship to achievement so what we want to try to do is to support those learners those kids in those environments in those schools and districts because well they deserve a shot too
0: so there was a big thing in the early 2000s that tried to emphasize this even more there sure was all right so what was this
1: in 2002 is that what you're talking about that is what i'm all talking right, about All the, right. well the elementary secondary, secondary education act has to go through reauthorization every five years and so in 2002, it was, it was up. For 2001, 2002, it was up for um, reauthorization. And it got huge bipartisan support. The House passed it 381 to 41. The Senate passed it 87 to 10. I mean, that's just astronomical numbers. Amazing numbers for bipartisan support. And so the, e- the ESEA was reauthorized that year. And they took a different turn with it. They took a turn with it to out of focus on more accountability. Hmm. And what they wound up doing is they said, well, we think that every child deserves a chance. And we think that sometimes in poverty, sometimes other areas in them schools, sometimes teacher education levels, whatever, children might be being left behind. And we believe that no child will be left behind. It sounds
0: like one of those movies.
1: Thank you very much. I i I, I wanna thank the Academy for uh, for all the, resp- the support over the years. Uh, the But the No Child Left Behind Act. So when, when we think about, no ch- when, when you hear the words No Child Left Behind, or NCLB, Nickel B, however you want to say it, it came around 2002. It's not a new law. It was a reauthorization of a very old law. Right, so it was just more like uh, repurposed. It was repurposed. Yeah. Um, with a more focus on accountability measures to kind of figure out how we can make sure Knowing that there's this difference in, or this this relationship between poverty and achievement, what have we done about it so far? Has it been enough? And what can we do going forward? Because we think that this is really important.
0: Okay, so one of the things that was implemented the most that that I think most people know about or have heard about is something called Adequate Yearly Progress. AYP. So what this does. AYP. AYP. <laughs> Should we cheer? Should we do a cheer for that? Yay!
1: <laughs> Ready? <That's> okay. All. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So it measured a lot, uh, uh, focused on English language arts and mathematics. Yes. So and it was really that's all it's measuring.
1: That was really all that that all it looked at. It was a, and the way that they decided to do it was through a standardized assessment mm-hmm. or standardized assessment measure, the, and, and they measured ELA and math. And what they basically did is they said in two thousand two ish, they said, all right, schools, you're going to get this test, you're gonna, we're going to create a baseline. Mm-hmm. And then after 10 years or so, I forget the exact number, but I think it was 10 years. Yep. Um, your, all your students need to be at this high level of proficiency or high level of meeting, meeting the standards or achievement or whatever you want to say. And what they then did is they said, well, if you're starting at this point and trying to end at this point, let's just average out how many points you need to, to go every year. Simple. And you'll have that staircase. So you'll have a clear target every year of what to do. Of how to approve how to how to approach, how to mm-hmm. how to how to improve, and your students will do it, and it'll be great and golden. And in ten years, every single one of our children, of our students across the globe, across the country, globe is a little bit too far, across okay. the country, will not be have been left behind, and they'll be right on track or right on pace. One hundred percent of them. One hundred
0: percent of them. That sounds easy. How'd it work out? Let's go with not so well. Why not? Because one hundred percent of kids is really hard to get. Yeah. Is really hard to get.
1: Is what can you get one hundred percent of?
0: Um, my dinner being eaten. Really? Because I bet there's some left on the plate. Uh, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I bet there are crumbs. Yeah, hundred percent is a it's, massive goal. It's a massive goal. So and it was an honorable goal. It's a noble goal. Yeah. So you know, some of the people might be all remembering no child left behind and being like, "Oh, those are the days." I'm not sure who of you are out there, but. The intent of all of these things are are very noble, I would it's, say. It's,
1: it's, equal, to, it's a equal to playing field and to make it equitable for anyone, regardless of where they live,
0: how they speak, what their socioeconomic status is, et cetera. Nobody's going to deny that. Right. Hopefully. That, that all makes sense. That's what we want our kids ten, to get there. Ten senators did and 41 representatives did. See, I'm more interested yeah. in the ones that didn't vote because that does not add up to, you know, 538. So, anyway... So well, there's been a sentence since then. But. <laughs> I don't just I don't think we changed number of states since 2002 maybe. Oh, I swear you're saying in the Senate. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, not, yeah, 93. Uh, the okay. one said 422, so eh, it's a few. Okay. So See, you're the math guy. I'm huh? the math guy. I notice those things. <laughs> All right. See, I I might be in that in that part. So here's the thing that it really focused on a lot was since we, schools were being held accountable for ELA and math, a lot of schools pumped all their money into ELA and math only. Went, went deep. And lost some of their other targets. Yeah, I mean, because the, Yeah,
1: you only have so much funding. And so, unfortunately, in the wake of a lot of this stuff, you know, one of those, this noble great goal, and an unintended consequence of this goal yep. happened that arts programs were cut. PE programs were cut. You know, and and you, can, you can go to districts across the state, regardless of socioeconomic status, and they'll say, yeah, we had to make cuts to these programs because so we had to pump more into these things. Right. You look down at the elementary school level, it changed from being a more comprehensive, um, integrated approach to, to, to uh, all, like, all the content to being in an ELA and math only. And I know there are many schools out there that don't even start science until middle school right. or social studies until middle school now because of the ELA and math. Focus, and I and I'm not trying to say it's not important. Don't misinterpret that. But, but there's also, but I guess in a way, everything is kind of important. So how do we make room for the stuff that's also important? Right. It's a struggle. It is. It's a real struggle. It's a real challenge, and it's and it's something that has plagued our schools since
0: 2002. So how to do this? Since No Child Left Behind is no longer the case. Because it's been reauthorized again. It was reauthorized in 2015 under the Obama administration. So it became the Every Student Succeeds Act. Yes. E S S A.
1: So ESSA. So that brings us to here, to the ESSA. And again, in 2015, huge bipartisan support 359 to 64 in the House,
0: 85 to 12 in the Senate. So where are those other three senators? Where are they? Golf, I don't know golfing. Mm, probably golfing. So this went into law at the end of twenty fifteen. So it's only been around a couple years at this point. A couple
1: years. And so it, it, it did change some things in how we do the accountability. All the accountability stuff is still in there, kind of. But mm-hmm. it but it changed around some of the rules. Like it eliminated the AYP requirement. Which I think was
0: the big point of this. That was a huge
1: point because what yeah. as, as we started to get closer and closer to 2010 or whatever the ten, whatever the mark was, um, States started to say to the to the US DOE and whatnot hey we're not going to make that goal in fact most of our schools will be considered failing
0: by then right because that's that that was another thing that the No Child Left Behind Act brought in was a school report card right so if I'm a, if I'm a school if I'm a state with all my districts with 90% of them failing because of aYp even though they're making progress just not as much progress as a hundred percent would suggest mm-hmm yeah, that was kind of troubling for people, and I think that was one of the one of the impetuses. Impetai? I was going to say impetai. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's one of the Two things. Two Latin scholars here. That, yeah, yeah, we got a lot of brain power in this room. <laughs> Ouch. Um, so I think that's one of the things that they really wanted to do something different, was realizing that the intent is still to get... Um, equitable opportunity across schools and across districts across the nation, but not with those onerous requirements right. uh, and unrealistic I... requirements. They wanted to do something a little more realistic and spread it out so it's not just ELA and math anymore. Mm-hmm. Right, And I know that's going to be a topic for a future podcast. Yeah, we're going to get into the, the details a little the bit The details, yeah, because every state is... Is has the opportunity to do something a little bit differently. We're obviously right. going to talk about Maine because that's where we are. Right. But every state has to have their part of the law authorized and approved. Yes. And that's still ongoing, right? Yeah, we had to.
1: We got it approved. Maine got it approved. Maine did. Maine got it, ours approved, and now we're adding an amendment to it because there's some changes right. in how the some of the indicators. Like, there, like, there are four indicators that need to happen yeah. for each area. So, uh, like. Uh, th- uh, proficiency on state tests english language proficiency and some academic uh factor that needs to be brought in right. so what maine has done is said things like academic perform academic ach- uh, achievement um academic growth uh graduation rate so it, 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 they break it down by by school too by a to k-8 school and by high school so you know s- since our measurement at the high school is the sat can't really measure growth there but you can measure growth this is only one year they only mm-hmm. take it one year but you can measure growth in the three-day in the elementary school because so they take the tests three, four, five, six, seven, eight.
0: Let's dig into that yep. in our next podcast. So we'll talk to you next week so that about a, that a about tease. that. It was a little tease. It was a tease. It was see? very good. It was very good. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.